Hello, and welcome to For Your Listening Pleasure, a podcast focused on talking with interesting and diverse individuals and discussing how their backgrounds shape them into the people they are today. I am your host, Mallory Waxman. Today on the podcast, I'm excited to be welcoming Phil Brody, known to many as Wordsmith. Brody is an LA-based street artist who aspires to inspire others on a daily basis with colorful and well-chosen words crafted into unforgettable thoughts and phrases that he paints and pastes onto walls all around the world. Brody is not only a street artist, but also a published author, screenwriter, former advertising copywriter, and ultimately a music lover. In this episode, we discuss Brody's journey from his corporate job to the world of street art and how taking chances and chasing your passions can ultimately lead to living a more fulfilled life. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Listeners, before we dive into today's episode, I want to let you know about For Your Listening Pleasure's first collaboration. One of the podcast goals is to raise awareness about various nonprofits and organizations doing good in the world. I always ask each podcast guest if they are part of a particular nonprofit or if there's a specific organization that they support. I have a running list and I hope that one day I will be able to raise awareness and give to each of them. I am excited to announce my first collaboration with the Street artist wordsmith together we designed a sweatshirt that you're now able to purchase and all proceeds will be going to pause chicago and pets for vets make sure to listen to each of their mini episodes to learn more about what each organization does and where the funds will go I'm also happy to inform listeners that under the podcast umbrella, I have started my own charitable organization called For Your Charitable Pleasure to ensure that all funds now and in the future go towards organizations making a difference in the world. I'm so excited about this collaboration that I personally will be donating $2 for every Instagram repost with the hope of raising awareness around these two outstanding organizations. All you need to do is follow the podcast on Instagram, tag For Your Listening Pleasure, and include the link to purchase in the repost. Additional information, including social media, usernames, and purchase links can be found in this episode's show notes. One last thing, Wordsmith, also known as Brody, I thank you for your partnership on this. You were gracious enough to respond to my email and agree to come on the podcast. Thank you for dedicating your time and talent to this collaboration, and thank you for helping support two incredibly impactful organizations. And to my loyal listeners, thank you for listening to the podcast week after week, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Brody, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very excited to have this conversation and to also talk about what we're working on. But why don't you kind of introduce yourself to listeners? Because I think your path has been very interesting from where you started to where you are now. Cool. Uh, it's great to be here. Um, and as far as uh, me, um, I am the street artist known as Wordsmith. Um, and I am a writer first and foremost. Um, I've always been a writer my entire life, even, even before I realized that's what I wanted to do for a living. Um, I always had that writer inside of me. Um, and 10 years ago, I got the crazy notion um, to start doing street art. And I started doing it for fun and just for me. And it completely took off. Two years after that, I started doing it free time. Um, I'm sorry, full time. And I was in Los Angeles at the time and I started traveling the world. Um, now, um, a lot of people don't know this or, or maybe I haven't formally announced it, but I'm splitting time between the US and the UK. So I am in London um, right now. Um, and, and again, um, uh, splitting time between you know LA and UK or the US and UK. You were in advertising, you lived in Chicago and you got this bug to move to LA. And I know... For me, after college, I felt something internally telling me to move to California. And the more I ignored it, the louder the voice in my head got till finally I moved out there, not knowing one, got a job and lived out there for a while. Did you have that same experience? What was that voice inside you that was saying to leave advertising, go to California and try to start writing screenplays? Uh, we had a very similar path because there was a voice and it even happened earlier. Um, I think when I was in maybe late high school and even in all of college, um, I dreamed about writing creatively. And at the time, 
um, because of age and just, you know, who I was and, and who some friends were, we were obsessed with movies. So we always talked about making movies and we'd always come up with stories, you know, that could potentially be screenplays and, um, and began writing screenplays or fleshing out screenplays. Um, so I, I did think about it a lot. I have a best friend that I've known since seventh grade. Um, and, and, and that is the person that like, we used to bat ideas back and forth. We just loved movies and always talked about moving to California and writing screenplays or just working in the film industry. Um, the, I don't know, the path, um, that I took, um, was I went to Chicago. Um, it felt safer at the time. I can't believe I'm saying that given who I am today, but, but I was young and it just felt safer um, to try to you know, start a career. Um, and, and I should say, even in school, like I studied advertising and advertising did seem creative. Um, but again, I realize it now, it seemed safer. My brother and sister are older, um, and they took the corporate path. And I think I had my parents kind of, you know, echoing this, this, this thought, you know, because, because they loved me and they wanted, you know, me to be as successful, but when are you going to get a job? When are you going to get a job? So that led to, okay, I'll move to Chicago and, and, you know, test the independence and, and try to do creative things, which I thought um, was advertising. Uh, and I was writing a little bit on my own or, or fleshing out ideas. Uh, but what I learned along the way, the hard way, um, I was I was good at advertising. I kept getting promoted. Um, I started on the account side and made the leap to the creative side. You hear that story sometimes. But but I, 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 I lived that and I made the jump to the creative side. But none of that satisfied this urge this voice what you're talking about and it wasn't so much California but it was it wasn't so much come to California it was you know do more creative writing you know express yourself you know in the ways you always dreamt about when you were younger or a kid um and that that was always there so I learned the hard way with advertising that even though I was good at it and I was getting promoted and I kind of backed into a career in it I realized one day that I just wasn't happy um and and that made me made this the leap. You know what I mean? Again, I mean, the other cliche of I quit my job and decided to move west. So I think that's really interesting because I remember being in school and not really sure what I wanted to do, but I had some inkling of what my soul was telling me to do. And I think a lot of people can feel like that, but then, oh, you have to become a productive member of society. You need to think about your 401k at 22. You need to start going into like the machine. And I know that sounds like a really negative way of looking at it, but I think that there's people who are creative or don't want that nine to five, but feel that pressure. And so everyone goes into it and you realize people aren't happy. And for you, I know happiness. I read in an article, you when someone's like, oh, what did you want to be when you grew up? You threw all these things out, but then really just happy. And I think that after the pandemic and where we're sitting now, happiness is taking a higher approach or people are more focused on their happiness. What would you say to those younger listeners who are kind of thinking they don't want to necessarily go into the bigger corporate companies? What tips would you have for them? Well, I, I, it's funny. I always say like, like I, I'm the person, I think, I think I'm the person to ask advice or, or even my friends realize this along the way, because I'm not going to tell anybody what they want to hear. And I think that's the problem in, I don't know what the world or society is that, that sometimes people lean on these people that will just tell them what they want to hear. And, and they might be good friends, but that's not good advice. You know what I mean? And in turn, I think the best friends are the ones that really tell the hard, you know, truth, um, even though the person doesn't want to hear it. Um, so to me, like if somebody asked me, uh, I was going to make a joke that I'm the wrong person because I will tell you to quit your job. You know what I mean? In, in a sense, you know what I mean? Because I really do believe in that and, and that you quoted something that, that along the way, like, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like I had a couple answers along the way before I realized none of that matters. It's just the answer is happy. You know what I mean? And you figure that out. Um, and, and I think advice that I would give to people is, 
is just it, it, it's going to sound like a cliche, but it's not. It, it's just embedded in me. But it's just like slow down and enjoy the show. Like I'm not big on regrets, but one of the biggest regrets I have is that after school, I didn't you know, come to Europe and travel for a year. And a lot of people did that. But I was so laser focused on accomplishing something or listening to my parents, you know what I mean, to accomplish something. And and I made up for that regret. You know, what I mean, I've traveled the world and now I live overseas. Um, however, I, I think that we're in a rush to to do things, and and I hope that that the last couple of years, if any good come out of it, I hope that it is just kind of you know slow down and enjoy life. Um, and I'm getting at the advice, the advice that I don't know if it's advice, but what I realized along the way, and this was massive for me, and it was part start starting to do street art but more the people that I met along the way in this community I realized that the people I gravitate toward the most in life have reinvented themselves many times countless times I am the poster child for reinventing myself so if you're asking for advice if anybody's ever asking for advice it's just, you know, take chances, jump into pools of unknown, this fear that we have of of quitting a job or 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 doing something creative, whether it's singing, writing, dancing, anything um, is just ridiculous. Um, and and I make the joke, we only live twice. You know what I mean, and, and it's just it's really what are we doing if we're not taking those chances and and putting a smile on our face every day? Um, and that's when I start to, I don't know, I, 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 I hate saying that, that's sounding like a cliche, but, but I, I took chances in life and, and, and I could tell you stories about the different things I did. And, and when I say I'm the poster child of reinventing myself, it's true. But then I started doing this street art as a whim, as a hobby, as something fun. And I realized I had it in me, like, like part of my story that you probably heard in other interviews is I didn't think I could do this. I thought superheroes did it. But the first time I tried, you know, really small piece, you know, in the middle of the night, I felt like I got bit by a radioactive can of spray paint. I've said that before, but there's no better way to explain it because I realized, holy shit, I have this person inside of me or this talent inside of me. And whether you like my art or not, you have to appreciate the gumption of, of just, you know, trying and then, and then wanting to keep doing it and the perseverance and wanting to do it bigger and better and, and everything. And, and, and again, I get people that are kind of like, oh, you know, I don't love this person's work, but I've met very few people that at least won't give me credit for, and a lot of people love my work. I'm, uh, that, I'm very lucky in that, but I, but I met very few people that won't give me credit for, for that taking a chance and jumping in the pool of unknown and, and just making something out of a passion. Um, and that I'll stop talking after this. I do tend to ramble, but, the, but that, that is the secret to me. Like when I say, what do you want to be when you grow up and the answer should be happy. It's finding that passion that you can't believe you're getting paid for it. You know what I mean? And, and again, you've heard that before, but what are we doing in life if we're not finding out what that is? And that could be working in advertising for somebody. And I applaud that. I wasn't of the corporate world. Like I, I was felt very freed when I stopped, you know, living in it. Um, because what frustrated me about advertising was there were so many chefs in the kitchen that I thought good ideas, what I thought good ideas got watered down and changed. Now I'm the, the person that comes up with an idea and merits it, you know, ready and, and, and um, ready for the world. And, and there are no chefs in the kitchen. So that's a very, anybody will tell you, that's a very exciting um, thing to have in any, in any walk of life. Well, what you just said really resonated with me. I left a big corporate marketing role um, and I went to a startup. So it's new, it's different. It was risky because it's a startup. But then I also was able to continue with this podcast and people didn't really understand my passion behind this or why I was doing this or putting all these hours in and not going to see or hang out with friends because to me, this was fulfilling, talking to people, learning from people in the hopes that others will hear people's stories and create a little bit more compassion and empathy towards one another when you realize oh, I might be different than Brody, but what he's speaking, I can relate to. So we might look different, be from different religions, backgrounds, but 
we're still connecting on a human level. And so it's funny when you talk about just find something that brings you happiness and passion. I could be recording these episodes and, you know, I know how many listeners and downloads and all of that. Um, but even if it was zero, it's still fulfilling and rewarding to me. And I appreciate people taking time. So I would encourage listeners to really get grounded on what does make you happy and don't worry about what people might think or if you're doing it right, just do it because you radiate a different kind of vibe when you're happy and you feel fulfilled. I totally agree with all that. And a couple of points that you made that I'll even expand upon is, is I know like I've, I've had success and I've been lucky and I get to do this full time. However, if I didn't have that success, I know I'd still be doing it. I know for a fact, maybe not as often, maybe not as big, maybe not all over the world, but I know I would be doing it because of, of how it makes me feel. And there is that happiness. So it, it really doesn't matter. Um, like you said, the numbers, you know what I mean? As long as you're, um, as long as you're happy. And, and I wrote something, um, it, it's, it's a word and it's, um, do it for, do it for yourself um, I'm going to, I'm going to screw it up. It's, it's do it for yourself. Do what makes you happy. Do what you love and hope what you do resonates with others. And that's what we've both been saying. It's, it's, you have to do it for yourself. You, you have to be fulfilled. Like even, even I'll talk about writing. Writing is, is excruciating. You're, you're spending time alone for the most part, unless you're successful, we have a writing partner that, that you can work with. And I've heard about that, but, but most writing is done alone and you have to put in the work and you have to sit in front of the computer. It's, it's, it's so, it's so rough and tough and, and, and a roller coaster ride, but the, but there is so much satisfaction, but, but what I was saying is you have to enjoy that. Like success doesn't happen when you sell a screenplay or get published you have your success should be on a daily basis of enjoying that. I, I went about that the wrong way because writing is tough, but the ultimate, like I loved it. I, I was, I was energized and, and just felt so good. So it made me happy on a daily basis. Um, and, and, and you have to find that. Um, and then the other thing that you said is, is don't try to imitate. I think you kind of said it. It's like, don't imitate others. Like, like I, I, I cringe when people say like, oh, I want to be the next somebody. It's be the first somebody, just find your voice and do what you want. And so many people imitate others, whether in any, in any of these creative walks of life. And it's just, just, just find your voice and your path and, and, and what you want to do. And then, and if it makes you happy, hope that, hope that it makes other people happy or resonates with others. Well, let's talk about your writing. You wrote the book, The Holden Age of Hollywood. And it kind of came out of all those meetings and all those screenplays you wrote that didn't get to where you wanted them to be. Yeah. How did you kind of sit, talk about taking a bad situation and making like lemon, lemonade out of lemons, but, you know, yeah. talk to us about that book. Yeah, the book was, uh, was my firstborn. Um, I have very fond memories of it and I could talk about it forever. But specifically, yeah, I was in Los Angeles and um, the secret to me, and, and, and I just didn't state it this way, is I love writing in a lot of different mediums. Um, so again, even writing those screenplays that didn't sell, it was, it was fulfilling and it was exciting to get in those rooms and, and you know, talk about my ideas. Um, but I, I did. I, I had an idea for a, a story that I didn't want to write as a screenplay. So I got the crazy notion to try to write it as a novel. Um, and I had time and money. Like I was working on documentary TV shows and they would I would work for like three months and then be off like three or four months. So I knew I had this period of time you know, and a little nest egg that I could work on something. So, so I did. And, and what I'm getting at is I broke the one rule of, of, of being in Hollywood or a writer in Hollywood. You're not supposed to write about the industry. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, like there have been some good stories, fun stories and movies, but, but as a whole, nobody wants to read, you know, that. But I came up with an idea that kind of turned the world upside down and did analyze it in the ways that you're talking about. Because LA is a roller coaster ride. It's, it's another one of those, you know, there's these highs on days where you're just like, feel like you're on top of the world or on the cusp of success. And there's the, the downs where you're just so low and just feel like 
this is never going to happen. Um, and, and, and I wrote about that, you know what I mean? And, 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 and the book itself, like when I was marketing it and describing it, I, I said that it, it, it starts out as a death threat to Hollywood and ends up a love story to Los Angeles. And, and anybody that's lived there will talk about this love hate relationship that you have with the city and the industry and the people. And, and it's, it's an incredible experience. So I did break the one rule. I'm very proud of what I wrote. It ended up getting published. And the kicker is I have now gotten over the years messages from people and some, I mean, there's there's been a couple where it's like a director who's who spent his entire life in the industry, like his parents were in it and he started and now he directs. He goes, thank you so much for writing this book because you nailed Hollywood. And it was just so fun, you know, to read, you know, that. Um, and that's the that's an amazing compliment from somebody that's just lived and breathed it and and been successful. And, and I don't think, I, I think that there was frustration on my part. And ultimately, yeah, I didn't, I don't have a movie credit and, and, but I did have some success. Like LA was good to me and I really enjoyed it, but, but it is that roller coaster ride. So I did fuel that all into a novel that um, it's funny when it came out and people read it, they, they were kind of like, Oh, is that you? And is that so-and-so? And, and, and I had a knee jerk reaction to that because I was like, no, I came up with a work of fiction. I, I, this, is, this didn't happen to me or anybody, but you do obviously pull from, from experience and you write what you know. Um, and I did come up with a idea that was, you know, fiction. However, there are, you know, characters that I came across and I use that word um, graciously, like in the industry, like that, 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 that helped me, um, you know, paint the picture of, of executives and, and the evil and the, or the frustration in Hollywood. And, and yeah, there's a lot of um, experience and, and people that I met along the way in the characters and in the, in the book. Um, so it was really cathartic. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even say fulfilling. It was very cathartic to write that. And then um, it was very fulfilling for it to be received, you know, like it was, like it, like it was or it has been. So for our listeners, we have a few copies that we'll post on our Instagram and we'll give away because I'm about halfway through the book and I'm loving it. And I think our listeners would really enjoy it too. So from there, Wordsmith was born. Where did that name come from? And then I also know that a lot of your messages were words you wished people would have said to you. And we're going to yes. get into the messaging because there's some that I just love. Well, I love them all, but I have a few favorites. But where did the your where did you pick your name? How did that come about? Um, so it was right after the novel was came out, and and um and and part of that story, I think I said it is, I, maybe I didn't. I was spending so much time time in front of the computer. Um, writing like that novel like took a lot out of me that I realized I needed an active hobby so that links to what I said before I didn't think I could do street art but I know I wanted something that got me away from the computer out of the seat for periods of time so I got this crazy notion okay maybe I will do street art um and when I thought that I I definitely thought it would be you know on a small scale because I didn't think I could do it but but I immediately knew that it would be word-based because I'm a writer um, and when I, when I said that, I immediately saw the image of a typewriter. And then I thought, oh, the page could be coming out of the typewriter. And I thought that would maybe just be a sticker. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and it would be a simple way to do it. Um, but first, I had to Google or research if anybody had done that before in the street art world, because you don't want to repeat an idea. Somebody, you know what I mean? It's, just, it's, it's, it's exactly what I said before. You want to carve your own um, path. And when I saw, um, after researching, when I saw that nobody had done that simple idea of a, of a typewriter with a page coming out of it, um, I just, I wanted to, to make, make the idea a reality. But two things happened. Um, one, I realized I could paint the typewriter with a stencil and the page could actually be wheat pasted, which if you know anything about street art, those are the two two of the biggest uh, methods for getting up, you know, art, getting up work in the streets and, and it combined it. So that was another reason I got excited about the idea because I hadn't really seen anybody do that um, in such a simple manner, if that makes sense. And the name wordsmith just came from 
the typewriter and the old school writers, you know, pecking away. Um, and it was it was writers that I loved. I mean, it was the Hemingways of the world and and um and 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 just that old school feeling that that at first I thought it was um like it's a New York kind of feel. Does that make sense? Like like nothing against the writing in Hollywood or LA or maybe everything against the writing in Hollywood, but it's not, it's, it's movies, it's screenplays. It's not, it's not novels. You know what I mean? And, and I, and I know that's a very sweeping statement, but what I'm getting at is at first I thought maybe my name would be wordsmith in Los Angeles, which I thought was like an oxymoron. You know what I mean? That, that, you know, it's not the kind of writing, but then when I just shaved it down and, and I'm a big proponent of less is more, even so much as taking away the bowels, wordsmith just looked cool and sounded cool. And it did represent me. I was a writer doing street art. Um, and I've always said that I started this podcast saying, you know, I'm a writer first and foremost. So wordsmith and the image of the typewriter just seemed to make sense for me. And it seems so calculated now because of the success or I've, I've had people say that the, um, uh, image of the typewriter is iconic and that's that's an amazing compliment because it was just something that oh I'm a writer of course I'm going to do you know a typewriter or or it made sense to me a typewriter with a page coming out of it and I designed that typewriter so I got very lucky in a sense of you know just just dipping beginning to dip my toe in in street art but but I I kind of came up with this image of the typewriter that hasn't changed that much if anything it's gotten a little simpler but um, but it, it just all kind of came together. So I, I think that answered your question. It's just as a writer, it was just all there. But what I'm getting at is now you look at it and it seems so calculated, but it wasn't. It was a lot of happy accidents and, and, and stumbling upon that idea and getting so excited about the idea that I got over that fear about not being able to do street art. And I just wanted to own the idea. I wanted to, I wanted to mark my territory. So, so very quickly I got out in the streets and just started doing pieces and, and that's the rest is history. What was that first night? Like, cause it's obviously illegal and it's your first yeah. time and it's dark. So you don't want to, even if it's well lit, you don't want to be seen. What yeah. were you feeling? And what was it, that first it, message? Yeah, every street artist will tell you the same story or graffiti artist that when you go out the first time, there's a massive adrenaline rush. You think every car or siren or helicopter in the sky is coming after you. And in LA, I think people know there's helicopters all the time. So you just have this like this this massive adrenaline rush and just this feeling of holy smokes, I'm breaking the law. Um, but then it's this excitement and feeling that you just want to recreate. Like I wanted to go out the second night and just do more and, and on and on and on. So, and I still get that feeling. Like when I do renegade pieces to a degree, you know what I mean? There's still that, that kind of like that, that, you know, little jolt of adrenaline. And that's great. Um, the first message um, you said, you said it that, um, that when I was thinking about doing the idea, a couple things like I I've loved street art for a long time before I started doing it. And I've always been inspired by the messages. But I did notice, you know, that there was a lot of um, negative um, art or, or just messages. There was a lot of political messages and I wanted to be the positive. I, I I'm a positive person. And the one thing that I or, or that I really didn't see a lot of in street art and in street art in Los Angeles was was affirmation. And, 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 and I kind of set out to tell people or say things to people in Los Angeles that I wish they would have said to me when I first arrived. You said that. And and it's it was just the essence of almost like this is what I'm going to do. Um, you know, just be positive. So the first message was actually, um, I launched with a couple thoughts that were from my novel, um, because it was about Hollywood. And there was a lot of those kind of messages embedded um, in the conversation or, or analysis of Hollywood. But the one message was, um, there's nothing sadder in the world than a pawn shop in Hollywood. And that doesn't sound very wordsmith, but if you do think about it, it is. It's just a creative way of saying, don't give up on your dreams. 
Um, but again, I was figuring out my voice, you know what I mean? So, so the first one, you know what I mean? And I'm, I love that saying it was, and it's a, it's a line of dialogue in, in my novel. Um, there's just a truth to it, you know what I mean? And, and then I kind of learned, you know what I mean? To, to come at it different ways and just, you know, be even more affirmative, um, over time. Um, and the other thing I was going to say is over time, um, as I started doing it, um, I realized going out at four o'clock in the morning, like you said, uh, no matter what you do at four o'clock in the morning, there's a, there's a spotlight on you. Uh, I just made the joke that you could be carrying a pizza box at four o'clock in the morning. And, and I'd be like, why is that guy carrying a pizza box? There's no pizza joints open at four o'clock. Like you just look suspicious. So I, like really early on, or, or maybe a two years in or a year and a half in a, a light bulb went off in my head. And, and I'm like, if I did this at noon, and didn't look over my shoulder and just acted like I was supposed to be there. And maybe that's a product of Los Angeles because there is a lot of art, there are a lot of murals. I go, I could get away with anything, you know what I mean? If you don't look suspicious. So, so I stopped going out at four o'clock in the morning unless the, unless the piece and the wall and the area merited it. And there's still some that you have to, to, to accomplish, you know, do in the middle of the night. But I realized if you do stuff during the day, you can, you can hide in plain sight. And that was, that was a huge revelation. For those who don't know much about your work, you weave together like a playful spirit of childhood, but also while addressing important issues, um, but they all motivate or inspire others. What motivates you? And let's talk about muses because I know you have one. Sure. Um, the one thing I'll say about uh, like my work is, um, and I didn't, I didn't realize like to express it this way until, I don't know, maybe a year, just over a year or two ago, but, but every single piece that you've ever seen me paint or paste onto a wall um, it, it, those words resonate with something going on in my life. Um, and that's the secret to wordsmith. Like, like, um, and, and it could be, it, it's not to say it's happening right now. Um, it could be stuff like you said, that that's all the way back to, you know, when I was a kid and a dreamer, or, or it could be something that happened 10 years ago that could spark an idea or a phrase. Um, but it needs to resonate with me. And I have companies that come to me and ask for collaboration and sometimes they're like we want it to say this and I have a knee-jerk reaction that's just like that's not what I do like like tell me especially coming from the advertising world tell me what you want to accomplish even give me your creative brief and I'll find words that also resonate with me but accomplish your goals um and I went off on a tangent but but that is I can never just put you know anything on a wall or or, or it has to it has to evoke emotion in me. Um, but then that leads to what you asked about muses. Um, and, and I can get inspiration from a lot. Like, like, like the word muse is, is, is amazing. Like I'm fascinated now because of something that occurred in my life, which I'll talk about, but, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with that. And, and when I say like we, in this conversation, we might stumble upon something or I might say stuff in something in a certain way that'll give me an idea and it might turn into, you know, a future piece of work or I call them words, um, W-R-D-S. Um, so pieces um, or phrases. So, so it can come from anywhere. Um, and, and I think that's, that's musing people. Like I still have, I have friends and, and just, you know, family that, that, that will, will inspire, you know, things um, or conversations. But then there's the muse that um, that is kind of even more fascinating to me because I did have a muse in my life, um, and she it was also a, a, she also became like a romantic um, part of my life, um, or there was romance there, and it it was almost from I I don't know exactly I think I met her a couple years before I started wordsmithing, but. But but things started getting in the muse kind of kind of world almost right when I started wordsmithing. Like like uh, there's even the story I think I told you when we originally talked that you know the first night like I think about that and there was this adrenaline rush and I remember I did a piece and I was walking back to the car and my phone vibrated and I looked at it and it was the muse and she goes what are you doing I go and I and I I sent a picture 
that first night, you know what I mean? I sent a picture and she goes, oh my God, I love that you're doing that. Cause I had talked about, maybe I'm going to start doing this, blah, 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 blah. So she was there from the beginning and, and she did um, inspire a lot of words, especially the romantic ones. And um, it was an incredible experience just to be inspired by somebody so much. Uh, and, and the, the, the part of the story that I'm getting at is I lost that muse, um, um, in, in the fact that, you know, we were together and she chose somebody else. Um, and that's pretty much all I'll, I'll say about that. You know what I mean? Just, um, uh, uh, out of, out of respect, whatever that means, but, but I lost the muse and that was very difficult for me because, you know what I mean? It's just like this, I don't know how to explain it, this voice or this push or this, inspiration wasn't there anymore and and it was it was kind of shocking because I've never had trouble writing and I continue to not have trouble writing but I've never had writer's block or anything but but that that fluidity um or just that ease of 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 it, it kind of goes from I don't know how to explain it. it it went from like 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 being very easy or fluid to just kind of being difficult but but then I wrote about that, like, like the muse continues to muse me where, where I was afraid to kind of start doing romantic pieces that were not, well, not romantic, but, but kind of talked about heartbreak. And I, and I did, you know, because it was, it was a major thing going on in my life. Um, and those pieces ended up being so popular. And, and, and again, in hindsight, I looked at it and I'm like, of course they're popular. Like, like, people go through heartbreak just as much as they go through, you know what I mean? The, the blossoming of romance. Um, and they're even, maybe even more, you know, embraced because I don't know, it just seems like, I don't know if it can be more universal than being in love, but, but everybody's gone through that. And I think it is more universal. I, mean, I think so think about, too. When think I think about, about songs, that. Yeah. If you think about songs, there's more songs about heartbreak than there are about, or my favorite songs seem to be more about heartbreak than about, Oh, you're the best thing in the world. Well, I also think that like when you're in love, there's like certain degrees of it. But when any kind of heartbreak happens, it is so much more intense and so worse. And I think that we as humans dwell probably more in the negative than the positive because it's you question yourself, you question them, you like it just kind of keeps spiraling. So maybe that's why. And then also, I think when you lose that love you almost forget what it was like because you're in such that heavier place of heartbreak so it overrides it to some extent yeah that's an interesting way there's a couple things in that in that what you just said first of all you're right like like the different degrees of being in love you know might make things not not resonate to a degree but but heartbreak is a hard floor that we've all you know what I mean we've all hit. So that, that's really interesting way to, to, to come up to, to look at that. And that is true. And it was, it was, it was, it was, it was liberating for me because I was kind of like, Oh, I'm going to put this, these, and then there's a lot of pieces. If you, if you now back up my work, you know, a couple of years. Um, but then there's a lot of work. I'll finish the thought. There's a lot of work in, like that kind of does the heartbreak side of romance, but, but it still works. You know what I mean? It's still, you know, comforts people or inspires people or helps people, I should say. Um, but then the other thing is, like you said, it's it's hard to imagine, and and it was at first. I think anything, but but time heals heals whatever that means. But but as a writer, I pride myself in being able to kind of go back to you know moments in time and and then kind of pull from that emotion and and write things. Um, and I'll tell I I, I said this just just recently um so I did this piece uh, I did a commission piece for a couple and they pulled a unique word like it's it's a favorite word of mine it's called I think it's called nerdsmith um and it's this whole thing about you know I'm so glad we were born on the same oh no 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 I'm sorry I, I confused it um it, they did a piece um I, I did nerdsmith recently here in here in London but they did a piece that um is about it says um, I'm rambling. It says, 
you asked me if you if I look fat in these jeans when it's impossible to look fat in your jeans and it's J versus G. And then it goes on and it's like you're perpetually cold, but you're so thrilled when it's chilly enough to wear your favorite fluffy white socks um, and you're perpetually late, but always so fucking worth the wait. It goes on and on. And then it basically says I should be annoyed by all these things, but I'm not. Um, I find them endearing because I'm so happy I found you on this big blue marble that we're spinning on. So, so I wrote this piece about the muse and they commissioned the piece um, at, for their anniversary and told me that those words were part of their wedding vows. And I was so touched and I really worked hard. I wanted to make something special for them. And, and I worked with the guy to like to find colors and everything like that. But as I was creating the piece, I was, I had to edit the, 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 the words, you know what I mean? To like, like fit them. And I was proofreading. This is what I'm getting at. I had to proofread to make sure that no words dropped off. It's whatever every writer does. And as I was proofreading the piece um, before I was putting the final touches on it, I, I started reading the words and I was, I, this does not happen. And I'm not a, I'm not a crier or anything. But like I was pulled back in the time that I wrote the words for her and I literally got choked up and and I was like, holy shit, like like and, and that's just weird because I've seen them so often and they're just embedded, you know what I mean, in my memory and this and that. But but like words affect people. And, and I don't know ultimately what I was getting at, you know, where I started that. But oh, oh, that you're able to kind of go back in time and write about things and. And when I say the muse continues to muse me, I can go back to the good times and still remember a moment and it might, it will lead to, you know, writing something very sunny, romantic, you know what I mean? And, and it's, and then the opposite, um, which, which was startling for me, but, but I get it. It's why these words are effective or affecting so many people. Um, I read that thing and I was like, oh, holy smokes. I was back in the, the moment um, of, of where and why and how I wrote that. And how about music? Does music inspire mm. you? And I know we can talk about the last few years, obviously politics does as well, but how do those two um, also inspire different pieces? Yeah, music um, is, is a big part of my life. Um, and uh, as a kid, like I went through a crazy thing of, um, I hated pop music because you'd listen to the radio and hear the same eight songs every hour. And I was just driven crazy to it. So I kind of turned the dial and, and I think I happened upon college radio, but it started with hip hop. And I started listening to hip hop music when it was Grandmaster Flash and Curtis Blow and Run DMC just starting and, and kind of was like, this is great. But then as I was turning that dial, or I think I was listening to a, show, a college radio show that was that with all the hip hop. Oh, and I also was break dancing at the time too. <laughs> so that was a big part of it. Like me and my friends got into break dancing when it was, it had its first wave and, and it was, it was just fun. So hip hop went along with that. And I discovered a lot of music, but the radio stations were usually college radios stations that were playing it back in those days. And I think a show ended and the next show was this alternative music, you know, thing. And I, when I found alternative music and alternative music back then was, um, is, was Joy Division and New Order and The Cure and The Smiths and, the Jesus and Mary chain, it just changed my life. Like, like that was it. And, and now alternative music is hand in hand with pop music. And it's just been amazing, but it changed my life. But what I'm getting at is like music has always been like, I was that kid in college that introduced you to, to 10 new bands. And, and I get messages from people still, and they're like, holy shit, I can't believe thank you for introducing me to this band and that band. And, and it's just awesome. But I was that kid. So it was always a big part of my life and the soundtrack of my life. Um, and I say that, but, but it just always is there. Um, and it continues, you know what I mean? Like I do have favorite bands and, and lyrics um, play a lot, you know what I mean? Because I love seeing how other people express themselves. And, and I will say, like I said, every word I've ever painted or painted has resonate. It resonates with me that, that I've written, but there are a small percentage of lyrics or quotes that I put out there. And, and the secret behind that is it, those definitely resonate with me, but they're lyrics or a thought that's so good that I'm mad I didn't come up with it myself. So I'm like, I have to tip the hat to this to this person that wrote it. And and, and so some words, you know, and I always cite, you know, who who the influence was or who the who the writer was. 
but every now and then that'll pop up in my work and, and people enjoy that. I get a lot of messages from people because I put music to videos and stuff on Instagram or just social media. And people are like, oh my God, I love that song. Oh my God, I love this band. Oh my God, I can't believe you did that. So it's a, it's another boat that, that, that like we're all in the same boat and, and people are, are thrilled to, to kind of um, see that, that there's people that appreciate the same um, motivation or, or whatever, your inspiration of, of, from music. So um, I know I'm a big music person, but I'm that kind of person that I listen to the lyrics. So I never I, can understand those people who are like, yeah, it's a great song. I'm like, oh, those lyrics just cut so deep. And they're like, what lyrics? Like what? I'm like those lines. I'm that person that will listen to a song a hundred times because it just is speaking to how I'm feeling or the words are just so powerful. Um, so I'm happy to hear there's another one out there yeah. like me. I was going to say, and I've, I've said this through the years, I think there's a lost art form, like, like when albums went away and I'm, I'm a big fan of vinyl. I, I love it. Um, but it's Me because too. you're holding that in your hand and they, and the albums that were awesome had the lyrics and you're just sitting on your bedroom floor and reading the lyrics. And I, and I was frustrated by that because I think that experience went away, but it is, I, I saw a little resurgent because now you know what I mean? On um, on social media, there are these things that actually allow you to tap and the lyrics kind of appear. And I think that's good because 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 they are poetry and um, and 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 amazing thoughts and amazing inspirations that that people come up with. And and I'm a big fan of it. One of my favorite bands now that just kind of remind me of all the bands that I that I just love back in the day. Um, whatever that means, um, is the National. I love the National. And Matt, I always screw up his name, Beringer. He freaking comes up with lyrics that are just like, oh my God, it's it's so amazing. And I've heard people say the opposite, like his nonsensical lyrics are, and I'm like, his it's it's his lyrics are incredible. Um, so him and then Bon Iver together created oh yeah. Big Red Machine, that Big album. Red machine. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think it's some of those songs like Hutch and Latter Days the lyrics are just so beautiful that when I've had friends come over for dinner, I'm like, wait, I'm going to play you like this album. Listen to the words, just listen to them. Yeah. Cause it is probably one of the most beautiful albums. I think that has come out recently. Just totally with all agree. the voices. It's perfect. Totally agree. And that's um, yeah. Yeah. And Aaron Dresner is whatever, like he's amazing. And he's, he's for people that don't know, he's, he was in the national, he's, he's the driving horse behind what half of the driving horse behind big red machine. Um, but, and he also worked with Taylor Swift. This is the thing, like those albums that came out in quarantine, I have a huge appreciation. That, that song for Evermore. Yeah. Is that the one I'm thinking of? It's going to bother me. Evermore, um, the the Boney Bear song. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's the one I'm yeah. thinking of. Um, Exile. Exile. Oh, yeah. I Absolutely. listened to it that on repeat. It was one of my top listened songs the last two years in a row. It is beautiful. Absolutely, and um, and I love that song. It cut to the core because that was shortly after the muse what happened happened and that song i even did a piece of those lyrics um i remember because um, i yeah, actually you know, reposted it yeah. on my instagram when i saw that i was like oh i'm so happy someone out there loves this um, song as much as me absolutely um and what i was getting at is like 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 I have a, such an appreciation for Taylor Swift now and and especially those those last two albums for me I think they're works of art and and it was just amazing but it was also that amazing collaboration that she had with Aaron and and you did cite some in, incredible um, bands and another thing that you said that I absolutely love is that you said when friends come over for dinner you you play the album that is huge for me because like albums seem to not exist anymore. And, and there are some in the last, whatever there, there's still, people are still making great albums. You know? yeah. I mean, it's not just all about the, the song and the single and the Spotify. And so, it's really great when you, when you have an experience of, of, of an album, you know, first song to last. One last album and then we'll move on. Um, Lord Huron, Strange Tales. Oh, wow. Start to finish. Like literally they have a new album out now, which is okay. But the strange tales I think uh -huh. is so beautiful. And as somebody who loves words, what I love about it is they take certain lyrics lines that are 
in one song and they mean one thing, then later on in the album, it will be the same line, but used differently to evoke a different emotion. And it is so beautiful, but it's really when you listen to them talk about it, it's supposed to take you on this um, like adventure and dealing with like love and heartbreak and this whole thing. And it ends, um, I saw them live probably one of the best concerts they're coming back to Chicago this summer and I bought tickets immediately I was like let's go that's awesome but you'll have that's to awesome. let me know what you think I will I will and then the other thing that you said um politics um, yes. when, when I started this and for a long time I, I didn't venture there like I I, I I and I'm not I'm not what I'm, what I'm trying to say is um like there are artists that do politics and they do it so well and I wanted to be the positive person that almost got your mind off of what was going on in the world. Like, like I've been told, and I set out, like, if you turn the corner and see one of my pieces, I hope it puts a smile on your face or inspires you, or you take a picture and send it to somebody else. And there's this ripple effect that has happened. It continues to happen. Um, so I didn't, you know what I mean? Kind of dive into the political or just politics or, or, or things like that. Um, and that sounds naive or, or stupid now but 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 yeah like like a couple of years ago with with stuff that was going on in the world and especially politics I had to to speak up so uh, so I have kind of started doing that and and I still leave it for the experts because I think that there are artists that just do it so well um but but I couldn't not I couldn't I couldn't stay quiet um kind of thing so 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 it has popped up in my work and and I definitely have, you know, thoughts and opinions. And um, I don't know, the world is 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 a strange place right now. Um, but so I, the one that like we'll talk about that I think when I saw it a few years ago, I loved, and I've seen it reposted, and little girls standing in front of it is the Wonder Woman is a state of mind. Um, oh yeah, yeah. How yeah, did yeah. you come up with that one? Um. That was really just, just it's, it's as a writer, just kind of wrapping, um, wrapping your head around of stuff that that's happening. And then that sounds so vague, but I, I just can't explain it. You know what I mean? Where, where there were things happening in the world and, and just, just that empowerment. Um, and it was also timing. I, I think that that, like, I'm a big comic book fan. Like I grew up on comic books, so I knew who Wonder Woman was, you know, and and I think the movie was coming out or had just come out, you know what I mean? And it was just so affirming and and it was just so great. And and I think it was kind of seeing, I don't know, maybe I'm I'm mixing in, I don't even know if the timing's right, but just you know, when you see little girls dressed as Wonder Woman, you know, on Halloween, and it's just something, and it's just, it's just such a, a, a affirmative and empowering kind of like thing. It, it was just kind of expressing that as a writer. And I'm like, it's, it's Wonder Woman is a state of mind. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's, I am woman, hear me roar. It's just another way of saying that. Um, and it was a timely way of saying that. So, and it was, it was easy to merit it with an image, you know what I mean? You know, that, 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 that you know, create a stencil. So, so I did, I got really excited when I thought of it. And, and I remember kind of creating the, the, the stencil um, almost immediately. And, and I wanted to get it out there. I wanted to, you know, paint it on a wall and, and I've done that piece. Uh, I don't know. I think like it started off like a six foot piece and then I have done a, 12 foot piece and a 15 foot version of it. So, so it's been pretty great, but yeah, um, I just reposted it um, on um, international women's uh, day. So yeah, it's, 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 I love that piece. And I love, I love even more how it was received. Um, and, and like you said, there is a picture of, it's a little girl that I know in, met in Los Angeles. Um, and I still know, and, and she went out there and was holding an umbrella and it's, you know, instead of the sword and it's just, it was just so awesome. So for our listeners, we'll repost uh, some of his pieces, but definitely that one on our Instagram account so people can see. I just have to say, like, I'm very grateful, one, that you responded and were willing to come on the show. But then when you and I talked, I mentioned to you how um, part of my mission is to give back to different non-for-profits. And I had asked you, uh, would you be willing to design a piece of art? And you said, yes, which thank you. I'm so grateful for that. 
Brody, I'm so excited to let listeners know where the funds raised from this merch collaboration will go. And one of the organizations is Pets for Vets. And what they do is they help train shelter dogs to become emotional support, or as they like to call them, companion animals for veterans who suffer from PTSD or traumatic brain injuries. And one unique thing about you and I that we have in common is our ties to Chicago. So I thought it was fitting that Pause Chicago, which is the largest non-kill shelter in the Midwest, is the other organization that funds from this collaboration will go towards. And listeners can listen to both of their mini episodes to learn more about both of these organizations, how to get more involved if they wish to do so, but ultimately what they each do and how they help make the world a little bit better. So listeners, I'm excited to let you know that the collaboration and the merch is now live. You can go into the show notes, go onto my Instagram at for your listening pleasure, or even my personal Instagram, Malier04, and the link is live. Please, please share it out. Um, just to remind listeners for every single repost, if you tag the podcast Instagram, as well as put the link in, I personally am going to be donating $2 towards the overall funds raise. Um, we really want to make a difference. And I know that both of these organizations, especially coming out of the pandemic, could really use our help and our support. So please, please, please tell your friends, tell your networks, repost, make sure to tag me in it. And um, Brody, I just, I cannot thank you enough for your partnership and your collaboration on this. So thank you. I'm so excited about that. And, um, and you started by saying like, oh, you were glad I responded. Like, like I respond to every message. Uh, I love getting messages from people um, and I'm close to my Instagram. I handle everything. People are kind of surprised that I'm the one responding. And I'm like, if, 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 if I, if I stop responding or, or get too busy to respond, I, I, I kind of feel like something went wrong. You know what I mean? So it was great to get your message and I love doing these things. I love talking about what I do or hopefully inspiring people to to take chances and dive into pools of unknown and just chase their dreams um and then the second thing is like i never expected to make a dime doing this so i love to pay it forward um i just i love that and i love the ideas that we came up with or the angle we came up with and then and i'm gonna love the ideas that we come up with to to make the merch so i'm very excited yeah so i end every episode with the final three questions um, the first question is, if you had a quote or a mantra that you live by, what would that be? Um, that's easy for me because it's it's been painted on a lot of walls all over the world and it's aspire to inspire others and the universe will take note. Um, and that whole thing came about um, because I sat down. I remember I sat down in front of the computer one day and I'm like, I want to I want to try to nail what this wordsmith thing is. You know what I mean? Like, what does it mean to me? Because it was becoming something that I never expected and getting messages from people. Um, and I kind of was like, just the, just how I came at it and what I wanted to accomplish. And I wrote down those words like almost I think I did aspire to inspire. And then the rest came out. And I loved it. I just was, I had to, again, research if anybody had said that before. Like sometimes as a writer, maybe you heard something years ago or changed it slightly. So I researched if anybody had had kind of came at it from that angle or, or said that and nobody had. So it quickly became, you know, a piece that I put up in the streets and it's, it's over the time has just become a staple and a mantra. Um, and it really encapsulates who I am. But then I love that so many people have, have been inspired by it and gotten so much out of those words and, and agreed with those words. Um, the second question is if you could relive any one day, which day would you pick? I love this question and, and, and I have an answer, but, but I'm going to steal an answer also that I just heard. And it really made me smile. Um, it was about time travel, but, but, one of the one 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 of the tempting things is just to go to a day before cell phones um and 
I, I don't know. It's, it's just weird because I love technology and technology is connecting us and, and that's awesome. But, but then you think about how it's not, you know what I mean? Just, it's almost a disconnect at times when two people are sitting across from each other and they're both on their phones, but the time before cell phones, I don't know. It's just, it was, it was amazing because I think I start to inject a phone into things. You know what I mean? Like years ago, I came to London and met a friend and I'm like, how did I do that without a cell phone? And it was, it was amazing. Like we had this muscle that we were able to do it. And, and I almost inject a phone into it. And I'm like, oh no, we didn't have phones. Like, like literally it was like, I'll meet you here at this time. And that's just insane. Um, but I'm sorry, I rambled. I love that answer just before cell phones. But if you're asking about a specific day, um, uh, my, my solo show opened up, uh, my first solo show opened up November 7th of 2017. And I worked my ass off like for obviously months prior, like getting everything done and set up and, and just creating. I had so many ideas for my first solo show. And that moment that it was about to open, I didn't expect it, but it was like a flood of emotion that was just that was just amazing. Um, and, and, and there was a lot else going on. Like it was, it was, it was just so much energy. Um, the muse was still in my life and there was a very romantic, you know, moment. Like I turned around and at the show and there she was, and that kind of catapulted us, you know, forward. And it was just this, this memorable, um, day, um, that was pivotal and, and just inspirational. And, and I, I don't know, it was again, emotional and romantic. So it was just this, this great day that, and, and it's funny because I'm sorry, I'll, I'll end it after this. It's funny because like, like time travel, like people, people always go back to change things in the world. And somebody said this a while ago, and it's how I look at time travel now. And it's, it's my answer to your question. It's sometimes you just go back to relive a day. And that's why I love your question. Um, and that's, I'd like to see a time travel movie about that. Like I just watched one. Oh, of my, there is know, one. There is one oh, about time with Rachel oh McAdams and uh, the other guy and how his dad's I forgot like, about that. And I love the line his dad says, where it's like, you live your day. And then go back and relive it like you don't have a care in the world the same yeah. day, every day. And that I think is just like, I have chills right now thinking about that. Yeah, line. I have chills too. I, I forgot about that movie and you're right. I absolutely love that movie. And, uh, and it did come at it in, in a really good way. But, uh, but yeah, I would go back and relive that day because there was just so much happening and, and it was pretty, it was pretty, it was, it was pivotal. Um, do you have a show in the works anytime soon? I do. I do. Well, the pandemic really kind of threw. I was going to do a, my second solo show in July of 2020. Um, is that right? Yeah. And it just it's got it got thrown. So so yes, I'm working on a couple things. It looks like I'm going to have a show in Hong Kong, um, which I won't go to because they have quarantine. But I'm working on pieces that will happen this summer. Um, and then I'm hoping for a show here um, in London late this year or early next year. And then I'd like to do something in Los Angeles um, in 2023 also, maybe coinciding with my, I'm working on a coffee table book that will celebrate my 10 year um, anniversary or mark. Um, and, and I've never done a book. And as you can imagine, like, like I talked about my solo show, I have a lot of ideas and I'm currently pulling in photography and just kind of planning what that book will be so it's going to be something special so I think around then um you know I'd like to do a little um book tour but but probably a show in Los Angeles would also be fun to uh to to have a second solo show there well we'll keep an eye out but if you do one in London late this year maybe I'll make the track so we can that would be great yeah and with my whole age of Hollywood, I mean, um, I did a book tour and Chicago was um, a stop on it. You know what I mean? So, so I love Chicago. So even yeah. with, the, with the coffee table book, you know, yes. I can make a stop there. Um, yeah. And then I'm really excited to hear what this answer is going to be. If you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, what song would you pick? Um, 
So I, I, I think you've noticed from this that I never answer a question just with one answer. It's okay. Some <laughs> but, people have given me two and I add both songs yeah. to the playlist. Well, so. I, I, have, I have one, but I'm going to come at it by citing two others. Like, like immediately I thought like Eminem, Lose Yourself, because that is just one of the most motivating. Like I love to jog to it and, and everything of that nature. But then Conversation 16 by the, by the, by the National is is just massive for me like it puts a smile on my face all the time but then when you when you ask that question like walking into a room like I'm a sports fan you know what I mean so it's like it's like it's your it's your entrance music or you're stepping to the plate music um and there's a song that nobody's gonna know um but but I think about it it was it goes all the way back to like college um but it's um it's Lunatic Fringe by Red Rider. And it's just the best motivational tune. And, and if I'm walking into a room, um, I think that's the song I'm going to pick. Um, so I cited three um, and they're equally different and awesome. But Red Rider, uh, the band Red Rider and, and Lunatic Fringe is the song I would pick. And so you got to hear it to we'll, see what I'm talking about. We'll add all three to the awesome. playlist. I love it because... I agree with like lose yourself for sure. Then you get into yeah. the national. It gives us a good painting too of you as well. Yeah. I, I yeah. couldn't pick one song either. And lunatic fringe is a, is a, is a slow burn, but man, when it kicks in, it really kicks in. And it's, I think it was in a movie. It was in a wrestling movie back in the day, but, uh, but it's such a good song. I, I still think about when I hear it, I still get like, like just totally, Amped. dream yeah totally amped like yeah. i can do anything amped <laughs> i love it well brody yeah. thank you so much um i can't wait to kind of continue to see where these pieces go and to work with you on ours um and so i just really appreciate you taking the time thank you for asking it was a really good conversation and, yeah. and i hope everybody that's listening enjoyed enjoyed it as much as i had having it with you so oh, thanks <laughs>